0: Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. This episode of The Edge podcast is going to be a fun one. I'm your host, David Gill, and uh, how's it going, everybody? Real quick before we dive into Google Duplex, which don't worry, I'll explain in a second uh, if you don't know what that is. I want to announce that we are reworking our site, mgredge.com. Um, I really, I, you know, I just wasn't super happy with it overall. It just felt a little cluttered and not super user friendly in the way I wanted it to be. Uh, which is probably because it was thrown together back in December, so it'll be ready for launch. But you know, it's 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 time for an upgrade. So the site, uh, if it's wonky at times or there's some glitches when you're on it. Don't worry, it will all be fixed and be beautiful very soon. So just letting everybody know about that. But you can still read our articles on Medium. Uh, all links are in the description, show notes, whatever you want to call it. Also, I just wanted to say real quick side note uh, before I get into the main topic. As an avid basketball fan data algorithm junkie, Last night's Western Conference Finals game. Uh, this is. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. I might go up on Wednesday, but it should be Tuesday. Uh, between the Rockets and the Warriors made me a little sad. For those who don't know and watch basketball, the Rockets. Uh, they play a fully backed by math and data style of basketball. Uh, if you've seen the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyways, they lost the series four to three. After they were up three games to two, uh, when their arguably best player, definitely their second best player, got injured, which it's a major bummer. I was definitely rooting for them to win uh, with data, and it almost happened, but they didn't. And for the fourth year in a row, we have LeBron James versus the Warriors in the finals, but you know it's okay because my actual team that I'm a real diehard for the Phoenix Suns have the number one draft pick this year so I'm completely ecstatic about that we haven't made the playoffs in eight years hopefully this next season won't be the ninth it probably will still but who knows anyways enough basketball I could go on about basketball all day it's time to talk about the future and google roll the intro you ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. Google Duplex is very good advertising for Google an a plus p r stunt because it got bloggers and tech news sites and even gullible podcasters like myself to talk about it and to talk about how advanced Google is. So bravo, bravo to the marketing team, the PR team, whoever came up with this. Uh, but let's play the clip real quick so everyone listening knows what I'm talking about. Uh, you're going to hear a robot that sounds exactly like a human make an appointment at a hair salon. This is Google Duplex. It's supposed to be kind of a new uh, AI robot assistant. Uh, so yeah, just go ahead and play it. So have something else here? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? Okay, perfect. So, I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Alright, so, that was cool and kind of a little bit creepy, right? The the way they set up the bot to throw in, like, ums and mm-hmms and all that stuff into its speech to make it sound more lifelike was a little unsettling because you know it's a bot but to the person on the other end of the phone they pretty much had no idea which is pretty impressive i mean if you didn't tell me that that was a bot i didn't know ahead of time i would have thought it was just a normal conversation between two people trying to make an appointment so impressive in that case and people have been freaking out about this saying you know this should not be allowed questioning ethics and you know coming with a million other hot takes about it but google duplex is a front it's a surface level mask that's intentionally designed to get people's attention you know it's 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 intentionally made to wave at them and say hey look this is the future and this the future is saving time and energy by not having to do the mundane by removing any possible inconvenience and by making a bot do it instead now you might be quick to say and it's a natural reaction you know wow how lazy can people get how hard is it to call and make an appointment or how hard is it to book a hotel room yourself And the answer is it's not hard to do any of those things, but if those tasks can be made easier or better yet uh, be completed without your involvement at all, you are going to choose that option. You have running water coming from a sink. You could walk down to a well and fetch a bucket. It's not that hard. Oh, you have to walk for a bit. It's not an insane amount of work, but you don't you have the water come to you. And in the future, you'll have bots come to you with a confirmation saying they did exactly what you wanted without you having to lift a finger. And the reason I say duplex is a front is because the future is not bots communicating to human workers like the demo showed. The future is billions of worker bots talking to billions of other worker bots on behalf of their human overlords. And they won't talk to each other with ums and ahs. That's that's highly inefficient and you know it's it's ums and ahs are really just an error in the human brain that occurs when it needs some extra time to process a situation and come with a response that's why you say um uh oh this and then you say your answer right you're you're, you're you need the extra extra processing time or you know for you kind of for a brief moment forgot what the hell you were talking about in the first place which happens to me a lot when i'm recording these podcasts. anyways Bots don't have those errors and they will talk to each other in code. Hence, Google Duplex, the Google Duplex demonstration was a front. It was a PR marketing uh, extravaganza, very well done, as I said, props to them. Whoever came with the idea deserves a bonus, but that's not what reality will be. That is not what the real future is. The real future is automating the gaps in current automation. What do I mean by that? Well, software is great, but bots are better. You know, the person at the salon is using a planning software to book and manage all of their appointments with all of their clients, customers, while the caller is using Google Calendar in this case, or, you know, it could be some other calendar software, but in this case, Google Calendar, obviously Google, uh, to keep track of their own day-to-day life but there's a software gap in syncing up these two calendars so that both parties are able to make an agreement for a time slot that is available to both so human intervention is needed the customer needs to call the business and the business needs to pay someone to answer the phone so that they can communicate and coordinate their calendars that's the gap AI will fill that gap. And Google just so happens to be a company that's trying to sell you on them being the ones who will close that gap so that the business pays them fees to use their software or whatever and the customer gets further entrenched in the Google ecosystem because that ecosystem is providing them yet another feature that brings convenience to their lives so more people will stay with google and more people will choose to enter the google ecosystem for calendars and mail and whatever else that's what google's trying to do here so where does all of this lead us that's the question It's it's hard to tell obviously you know there's anyone who says they can predict the future is either lying or trying to sell you something but it's increasingly looking like low-skilled and low-training jobs are going to disappear. And this has always kind of been the case. But I'm not talking about manual labor jobs right now. A lot of those jobs, while they are very hard and tiresome and... You know, many people actually argue ethically we should try to get rid of those jobs for people because a lot of them are dangerous, and even if they're not necessarily dangerous, as in you could like get hurt or die on the job, long term doing hard manual labor just is hard on your body, and you can end up living a shorter life just because you did hard manual labor your whole life. But those aren't the jobs that I'm talking about. A lot of those jobs, like I said, while they're very hard and tiresome, They actually take a lot of skill and craft to get done. They're not glorified. They're kind of, you know, I think wrongly looked down on in society. But, you know, there's a lot of nuance to being a plumber or a carpenter or a construction worker. There's less nuance to answering phones in a call center. So I actually think, and again, I'm making a mini prediction, but this is kind of just – I'm not trying to give a prediction. This is just my best guess, I should say. I think blue collar work for the most part is safe for now and high level white collar work for the most part is safe too. The very difficult high skill necessary white collar work is safe but it's the relatively low skilled white collar and middle class jobs that are in the most danger in the next 5-10 to years. In the next five to ten years, customer service reps will probably be gone, just like we've seen. I mean, the hair salon person answering that call can easily be replaced by a bot, an API within the next five to ten years. Personal assistants or business, you know, assistants secretaries, those jobs are gone. Many accountants, those jobs are probably gone. Much of paralegal and legal assistant work in the in the law world is probably gone in the next five to ten years, five to ten years. These jobs all have something in common or a few things in common. It does not take massive amounts of training. Paralegals take more training, but uh, you know they're preparing to be lawyers eventually. But most of the work that they do, it doesn't actually take much training. It's it's mostly going through documents and reading and, and scanning. Not scanning like a machine, but scanning, you know, reading. Okay, can I use this in a case or et cetera, et cetera. Those are all jobs that don't take a ton of training and they are very repetitive and there's also relatively low levels of nuance there there's always nuance in any job but you know you can have bots do the jobs of 9 or 10 people while you have the one person there to handle the most complex and difficult scenarios that the bots can't yet handle but that still leaves you know 90% or more of those jobs replaced by bots now, I'm not going to get into whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. There's arguments on both sides. Short term, probably bad because, well, there will be an increase in unemployment in those people who have those, you know, like I said, entry level, n- medium, not super high skilled jobs that are very repetitive. Unless they're able to, you know, find another skill or learn another skill quickly, they are going to be unemployed. That's The reality. So, short term, yes, it could probably be bad. Long term, you know, it's probably good because economies grow when they become more productive. That's the thing that grows economies productivity. And those people that are going to be unemployed will find new jobs that are more complex and high skilled. Because bots are not yet able to do those. Ideally, that's that's the scenario, um, and the bots will t- take care of the mundane, repetitive, boring tasks. And I keep mentioning the term mundane for a reason, and that's because it's the most accurate way to describe where AI is heading. It's not moving towards robot butlers or another form of you know television movie fantasy. In fact. I would say 99% plus of all bots will exist in the digital and information world, not the physical. Because our existence, for all intents and purposes, is in the digital world. And that's where scalability for AI companies is endless. It's very easy to scale software. You just make a copy scaling physical robots where you need factories and workers to build them or other worker bots to build them that takes a lot more work up front it's much more capital intensive software is not so most bots in the next 10 years will be in the digital world there will be real world robots that are invented of course there are now there will continue to be but the biggest revolution is going to come in the digital world closing that gap the future of ai will not be sexy it will be Take over the mundane, the pencil pushing, the memo reading, the calendar planning, the Excel sheet creating, all of the boring tasks that no one really likes to do but need to be done for a modern world to function as it is and will continue to be uh, needed to be done in the future, bots will do. So if you ever find yourself doing something you hate, just remember... Pretty soon, a bot will do it. All right, so that's it for my Google Duplex uh, AI future. I I, I find myself talking about AI in a podcast at least once a month or so, but this was a good, a fun one for me because AI is a topic I'm passionate about, but I do think a lot of people are overestimating how advanced it is right now, but are underestimating how advanced it will be in the future, if that makes sense. I believe there's some like, law about that? Uh, anyways, uh, I'll put it in this description if I can find it. Let's get into the news. It's time for the news. All right, so I only have one major news story for the day, and I think I'm going to talk about it just because it's mostly interesting. Bird, uh, that's the name of it, just B-I-R-D, an electric scooter sharing company, basically Uber for scooters, raised $150 million at a $1 billion valuation. And their biggest competitor, a company called Lime, who's already raised $132 million, is looking to raise up to $500 million this year from investors you know living in phoenix i can't really imagine riding around on a hot metal scooter in the summer when it's 120 degrees outside but i guess in places like san francisco and new york it could be a good option especially when you know uh cars are not necessarily the primary mode of transportation um now whether or not i think these companies are really worth billions like they are projecting to be based on these investments and what they're telling investors I'm not sure they very easily could fall into the same price war that Uber and Lyft are in right now. Uh when you you know when you have nothing really unique and your business can be easily copied, it tends to be hard to turn a profit. You know, there's nothing that's really different between Uber and Lyft. There's a few little things here and there, but they're incredibly similar and same goes for the electric scooter companies at the end of the day they both are just offering a network of electric scooters so it's going to be very stiff competition and could be years until they ever turn a profit just like uber and lyft do not currently turn a profit despite being around for years now anyways i wish the best of luck to both of them but i think this could be a tough battle but hey you know what it's silicon valley anything goes. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Marissa will have her podcast on Friday. I have no idea what she's going to talk about, but I'm sure it will be fascinating. Thank you guys for listening. Goodbye.